What's happening in the world coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. Senate Leader Mitch McConnell returns to Capitol Hill as concerns linger over his health. Do senators still see him as fit to serve as the GOP leader? Kamala Harris says all vice presidents must be prepared to take over when pressed about Biden's age. See that in her comments on Trump's indictments. A sham Donald Trump? A reporter received a fake statement which he used to write a story accusing a conservative outlet of publishing a fake Trump interview. Focusing on minorities, a organization aligned with House Democrats is spending $20 million to get people out to vote. Beijing bans Chinese officials from using iPhones at work. Could this mark another escalation in U.S.-China tensions? Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers, our top news the Senate is returning to Capitol Hill, but concerns are lingering over the GOP leader, Mitch McConnell. NTD's Melina Wisecup joins us live from Washington, D.C. Melina, what are you hearing about McConnell on Capitol Hill there? So since Congress has come back in session, the senators that we've heard from have not called for him to step down. None of them have. As a matter of fact, they're all back, uh, you know, saying that he's a great leader, trying to really reiterate how great of a leader he is for their party. Now, some are saying that his latest freeze-ups could be the result of him recovering from that concussion that he suffered back in March, which is similar to what the Capitol physician had to say. But even senators who are critical of the Capitol physician's explanation for why he's freezing, saying that it could have been an episode of dehydration or, of course, a recovery from that concussion. Uh, Senator Rand Paul, for example, is skeptical of that explanation, but he still says that he doesn't believe that this means that M Mitch McConnell cannot serve as their leader. So senators are back this week. The first time we'll see the Senate Minority Leader back in action after that latest freeze up where he froze for about 17 seconds back in his home district when he was answering questions from reporters. We'll show you how he's doing. Here's the first speech that he gave on the Capitol uh, Senate floor when he came back following that latest freeze up. So we discuss what we're doing to combat it and find ways the federal government and fill the gaps. I also welcomed Dr. Raul Gupta, the national drug czar, back to the Commonwealth to hear more about what we're doing to fight back against addiction. So this is the normal tone of voice, the normal pacing that Mitch McConnell uses when he speaks, very slow, very low toned, but that's normal of the Senate Minority Leader. And in a bid to kind of convince his Senate Republicans and his caucus that he is okay to continue serving as their leader, he released a letter by the Capitol physician on Tuesday saying that this, this instance of him freezing up both this time and the time that he froze up right here in the Capitol before they left for their August recess is not anything to worry about as far as neurological issues, seizures or strokes, anything like this. That was a letter released by the Capitol physician just on Tuesday. So Mitch McConnell will have a chance to address his fellow Senate Republicans this afternoon when they have their weekly uh, press conference after their lunch at 2 p.m. And we will be watching to see how they're all reacting to this, as well as how Mitch McConnell himself responds to questions that he's sure to get from reporters at that 2 p.m. press conference. Chris. Thank you, Melina. 
Vice President Kamala Harris dismissing doubts about President Biden's age. In an exclusive interview with the Associated Press, she described a question about stepping into the role as hypothetical, but said she was ready. Here's the VP's comments on both Biden and former President Trump. Questions about the president's age often go hand in hand with questions about how you would step into the role, you know, if necessary. Do you feel prepared for that possibility? Uh, and serving as vice president prepared you for, for that job? Yes. But Joe Biden's going to be fine. So that is not going to come to fruition. But let us also understand that every vice president, every vice president, understands that when they take the oath, that they must be very clear about the responsibility they may have to take over the job of being president. I am no different. You mentioned holding people accountable. Obviously, a big issue right now is the indictments against President Trump. Is that part of what you mean about holding people accountable for January 6th? Everyone has their right to their day in court. But, but absolutely, people should be held accountable, but under our system of law, right? Let the evidence and facts take it where um, it may. Harris spoke to the AP in Jakarta, Indonesia, where she's attending the Association of Southeastern Asian Nations in place of the president. A recent poll shows that over 70 percent of Americans believe Biden is too old for a second term. As for the vice president herself, only about 30 percent of voters approve her performance in office. That's according to an NBC poll, which showed her ratings to be the lowest in the poll's history. Special elections in Rhode Island and Utah are in the spotlight. Former White House aide Gabe Amo has won the Democratic special election primary for Rhode Island's first district. He is heavily favored to keep this seat in Democratic hands and succeed former Democratic Representative David Cicilline, who resigned in May to lead the Rhode Island Foundation. Utah voters are also deciding the fall matchup for a U.S. House seat. There's a special election in the 2nd District to succeed GOP Representative Chris Stewart. Stewart is expected to vacate his seat on September 15th. He announced in June he would be departing Congress, citing his wife's health concerns. An organization aligned with House Democrats is set to spend $20 million to mobilize voters ahead of next year's elections. Nonprofit group House Majority Forward says it will invest in what they call a comprehensive data-driven approach to resignation and mobilization efforts in communities across the country. The focus will be on young voters and those in black, Latino, Asian, American, Pacific Islander, and Native American communities. The organization says it plans on investing in multiple regions across the country. The latest initiative comes after President Biden's re-election campaign launched a $25 million series of ads targeting seven critical battleground states. Efforts focus on Hispanic and African-American media outlets. It will also run a targeted track of advertising focused on Hispanic voters in Florida. An ethics complaint against Senator Raphael Warnock, it alleges he failed to properly disclose $125,000 received for work completed prior to his 2020 Senate election. Kendra Arnold is the head of the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust, the group that filed the complaint. She says either Senator Warnock and his church had a deferred compensation agreement they failed to report the existence of for years, or he received outside income over four times the legal limit. She said it's a major breach of Senate ethics. The complaint is now with the Senate Select Committee on Ethics. 
panel does not comment publicly on newly filed complaints, and it may not make public any final outcome. At the center of the complaint is a recently reported $125,000 payment Warnock received from a historic church in Atlanta. It was for work he did prior to being a senator, and it exceeds the almost $30,000 allowed in 2022 for senators' outside income. A spokesman for Warnock did not respond to a request for comment. Did a fake Donald Trump swindle a conservative media outlet? A reporter wrongfully accused the outlet of being tricked, while he himself was the one getting tricked into believing that. Here's what happened. Last week, former President Trump joined conservative media outlet Real America's Voice, or RAV, for an interview. The interview was audio only and the quality was bad at times. This led to people online and even some news outlets speculating that it wasn't really Trump who gave the interview. Some said RAV was deceived by either a fake Trump or someone using artificial intelligence. Here's a clip from that interview. He's the most incompetent president in history, and he's the most corrupt president in history. And it's incredible if he gets to the starting gate. The Daily Beast later reported that the interview might be fake and that they spoke with RAV's owner, Robert Sig. Sig purportedly told them they're investigating whether it really was Trump or not who gave the interview. However, as it turned out, the Daily Beast reporter didn't really speak with Sig, which led to them issuing a statement saying, a Daily Beast reporter had a conversation by text with a person who identified themselves as Sig on a number public record show was once associated with Sig, but a spokesperson for Real America's Voice said that it was not Sig and is not his current number. RAV responded to the Daily Beast allegations of a fake interview, saying, ironically, in a story they wrote about RAV being duped, it was the Daily Beast, in fact, that may have been punked into believing they had a qualified quote from us. A source close to Trump reportedly confirmed to Fox News that it was really the former president who gave the interview. When we come back, crossfire over Senator Tommy Tuberville's continued hold on military promotions. Some officials accuse him of harming military readiness. How did the congressman respond? And 61 people were indicted in Georgia. They face racketeering charges related to protesting a police training facility. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. The debate is heating up over Senator Tommy Tuberville's continued hold on military promotions. Secretary of the Navy Carlos del Toro accused Tuberville of hurting American military readiness, saying he abets authoritarian regimes. For someone who was born in a communist country, I would have never imagined that actually one of our own senators would actually be aiding and abetting communist and other autocratic regimes around the world. This is having a real negative impact and will continue to have a real negative impact on our combat readiness. A group of military leaders penned an op-ed saying blocking military promotions is putting national security at risk. The Washington Post published a letter. For months, the Alabama Republican has delayed the confirmations of hundreds of top military nominees. He says the military needs to stop paying for service members and their families who travel for abortions. Here's the latest response from the senator. You know, it just makes you feel bad that we got leaders in the country like that. Because, uh, as I just told you, if I thought it was hurting readiness, I wouldn't be doing this. But it's not. It's concerning that you got people that 
that are in secretary positions like that that would say something like that in our country uh, instead of getting on the phone and calling me. New ads are fighting suicide. The target audience is U.S. veterans. Academy Award-winning director Catherine Bigelow contributed her skills. Here's a look. Have you ever helped a fellow veteran? Of course. Yes. Have you ever asked for help yourself? Uh, it's always tough, right? I always feel like I can solve my own problems, but eventually, you know, you just can't deal with it on your own. And you start to question, maybe people would be better off without me. It's a new public service announcement campaign called yes. Don't Wait, Reach Out, which debuts today. According to the most recent statistics from the VA, about 17 members of the military, whether active or retired, take their own lives every day. The veteran suicide rate is about 57% higher than the general population. Bigelow, known for films like Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker, is hopeful the message has an impact. The new campaign is part of the VA's 10-year strategy to end veteran suicide through public health and community outreach. The federal budget deficit is expected to nearly double to $2 trillion for the 2023 fiscal year. That's according to a government watchdog group. The increase stems from a sharp decline in tax revenues and an increase in mandatory spending on Social Security, Medicare, and interest payments. The deficit projection comes from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Its tally for the 2022 fiscal year does not include President Joe Biden's federal student debt cancellation plan, which was struck down by the Supreme Court. The growing deficit could also further complicate discussions over funding for federal agencies for the upcoming fiscal year. Congress will have until the end of the month to pass the spending package or a short-term deal to keep the government operating. Students are lining up for debt forgiveness. President Biden's new repayment plan called SAVE will lower student loan payment based on income. Four million people are signed up so far. This as student loan repayments are set to resume next month after a pandemic era pause. I spoke with Joseph Trevisani, senior analyst at FX Street, about the impacts of this plan. Joseph Trevisani, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Joseph, Joe Biden's SAVE plan will reduce student loan repayment based on income. And next year, a 10-year debt cancellation time frame will take place. Um, how are we going to pay for this? Well, we'll pay for it the way we're paying for so much of the federal expenditures these days in debt. The U.S. federal deficit is headed towards $2 trillion for this year. What's another, what's another half a billion between friends? Or half a trillion, excuse me, between friends. Yeah, it sounds like a lot between friends, but... So we know the American taxpayer will be paying for this, but do we know how big of an impact this will have on the national debt, you know, looking forward with this plan? Well, when you start piling up debt as quickly and as, you would say, blindly as the federal government is right now, there isn't a lot of differentiation between what you add to it. So at this point, if the projection on this is half a trillion dollars it will cost over the life of the program, American taxpayers will pay for it, the debt markets will probably absorb it, but that's really where it starts and ends. And with the SAVE plan, we're essentially telling a generation of uh, borrowers that you can borrow without having to repay all of it. 
What kind of impact could this mindset have on America going forward? Well, it's not a good attitude, shall we say, for a capitalist economy where debt becomes something that is incurred but is never taken seriously as far as repayment goes. If you try to conduct yourself in such a fashion in the business world, then you would quickly be out of business. So the model is one which is hardly sustainable, and one might even say it has certain moral implications. And what would you say those moral implications are? When you, as an adult, when you assume an obligation, uh, both our legal system and our moral system expects you to, to do your best to fulfill that obligation. When the government or any entity gives you an out, people will take it. And still, you know, Americans' students are getting expensive degrees, um, taking out huge loans, but they're not able to pay their debt, as we're talking about. How can we remedy this? The biggest problem with the ever-increasing tuition for higher education is that it's very, very easy to pay for. In other words, the increases are facilitated by the availability of government money. If you restrict the availability of loans, if you make it difficult, then colleges will no longer be able, with such facility, to raise tuition. They can raise tuition because they can get away for it. Colleges are very competitive. If they have, are forced to deliver a quality education as far as the earning potential goes at the other end, then they will pay more attention to their costs. And yet college is getting more and more expensive. Do we need a comprehensive reform to lower costs for future students? And if so, what would that look like? Well, I don't think we need a comprehensive reform. After all, colleges are by and large private, although many of them exist with a great deal of federal and government money. That's certainly true. The crux, I think, of the matter is that it is phenomenally easy for students to run up incredible debts to pay for college. Colleges are running $65,000, $70,000 a year and more per year. That is a quarter million dollars and rising on any college four-year education. It's very difficult to pay that off at the type of salaries that people can get afterwards. The, prop, the biggest problem is the availability of loans to make these payments. Well, Joseph Trevisani, thank you very much for your insight today. Thank you very much for having me. Have a good day. Georgia's RICO Act is now being used against 61 protesters who opposed a new police facility, which they derisively called Cop City. 61 members of a group called Defend the Atlanta Forest are accused of plotting to halt the construction of the Atlantic Public Safety Training Center. The $90 million facility is set to train police and firefighters. The defendants were charged with violating Georgia's Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. That's the same RICO Act being used to prosecute former President Trump and 18 others. The Defend the Atlanta Forest group is accused of coordinated acts of violence, intimidation, and vandalism. A part of the indictment notes that the group has attracted many out-of-state violent anarchists. The protesters and other critics have expressed environmental concerns over the training site and say it could lead to greater militarization of police. A Washington deputy had a close call with a fiery demise in a recent fire. A body camera captured the compelling footage. 
Spokane County Deputy Britton Morgan was out warning residents to evacuate during the recent Oregon Road fire. Suddenly, he was surrounded by flames and in grave danger. He drove his vehicle in a literal race for his life. Upon making it out, he safely stayed and stopped others from driving down the road. The fire is now contained, but left in its wake one dead, 120 homes destroyed, and about 11,000 acres burned. A Delta Airlines flight was forced to turn around, and the reason is the stuff of an embarrassing nightmare, diarrhea. The flight was en route from Atlanta to Barcelona Friday night. According to Delta, a passenger had diarrhea all the way through the plane, and the pilot reported the biohazard issue. The flight turned around over central Virginia and landed back in Atlanta more than two hours after its departure. Delta says the flight was delayed just over eight hours and landed in Barcelona without further incident Saturday evening. Still to come, a record-breaking heat wave peaking in the eastern U.S. with highs nearing 100 degrees and Tropical Storm Lee is on track to become a major hurricane. And cars are collecting your data. Most major car manufacturers admit they may be selling your personal information. We have the details soon when we return. Thanks for staying with us. Next, we have some weather updates. More than 50 million people are under heat advisories in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic today. High temperatures will be in the 90s and 100s, which is 15 to 25 degrees above normal for this time of year. Humidity will make it feel even hotter. Heat indices could reach over 100 degrees for parts of the Mid-Atlantic. Baltimore has already seen three consecutive days with a record high. Conditions should improve Friday when a cold front moves in. And over the Atlantic Ocean, Tropical Storm Lee is fast approaching hurricane strength with sustained winds of 65 miles per hour. The National Hurricane Center says it will become a Category 4 hurricane or higher by late this week and into the weekend. Lee is about 1,300 miles from the northern Leeward Islands. No coastal watches or warnings are in effect at this time. Furious, frustrated, and demoralized. Southern Border Patrol morale is low. That's according to Todd Benzman, Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. He's right on the border in Roma, Texas. I spoke with him for the latest on the evolving border crisis. Todd Benzman, thank you for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you. Todd, what are you seeing on the ground there? Well, mostly immigrants from Central America, uh, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, in family groups, and unaccompanied minors are just pouring in in torrents over the border in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, thousands a day are pouring in to take advantage of the Biden administration's policy of allowing everybody in uh, who reaches that border. So. There's a great expectation, a big excitement among the immigrants. They're so happy to be coming in, uh, and we're letting them in. And have you observed any changes since you were last at the border there? Yes. Uh, there was a pause for a while uh, after Title 42 ended. That's the 
pandemic-related measure that uh, was pushbacks. Uh, everybody that crossed was supposed to be pushed back. Uh, there was a pause to see how the administration would handle it uh, if they crossed illegally. They were talking tough. We're going to push everybody back and remove everybody. But it's just not true. Uh, they're letting everybody in. A hundred percent of everybody gets into the country. And that's why they're coming. And that's why it's so busy now. Todd, what's the morale of the Border Patrol there right now? Oh, my God. Terrible. Uh, I was with Border Patrol all night last night. Uh, they're furious. Uh, they're they're frustrated. Uh, they're demoralized by having to just wave everybody in and act like a big welcome wagon uh, turnstile. Uh, really upset uh, people that are just saying, you know, I'm out of here as soon as I possibly can. I can't take it. And looking to the interior of the United States, sanctuary jurisdictions like Massachusetts are having a uh, very hard time dealing with this massive influx of, of immigrants. Uh, Massachusetts is about to use its National Guard to help with the situation. What do you make of this move? Well, there, there had to be interior impacts like this. You can't have 5 million people in like 36 months just pour into the country and not go somewhere and need to live somewhere. Uh, so, you know, this is their just desserts. These are sanctuary states, sanctuary cities. Uh, they invited this, in, at least in idealism, out of some kind of like uh, virtuosity, uh, virtue signaling or whatever. But now this is the reality. The rubber meets the road here. And this is what it's like to actually be a sanctuary city. You have to take care of them. You have to spend all your uh, unplanned for money on these massive populations, and it's not stopping, it's just getting going. Now, some of these places have been seeking funding to deal with the migrant issues in their states, but they're not exactly calling for increased security at the border. What explains this? They're Democrats. Uh, Democratic politicians do not want to criticize a Democratic White House, a Democratic president, because it's obviously their policies that are creating this crisis, that are doing this. Uh, so instead of just asking and demanding, actually, that the administration, the White House, just turn the spigot off, they're asking for mops to help clean the water and just keep more mops coming, mops, mops, uh, not just turn the water off. It's crazy. All right, Todd Benzman, thank you so much for your time. Great to be here. Thanks. Cars are failing data privacy standards. A new study says that most major manufacturers admit they may be selling your personal information. Here to discuss is my friend and colleague, NTD Business's Don Ma. Don, how are you doing? I'm good, Chris. Yourself? I'm pretty good. How are cars collecting this data? Well, there are, there are a ton of sensors nowadays in cars. That's things like uh, you know, GPS and telematic systems uh, that can monitor driver behavior. Uh, there's also uh, capabilities that can monitor uh, vehicle diagnostics uh, and, and knows uh, your, how your engine is doing, your fuel consumption, tire pressure, battery status. And cars have microphones as well, and you know people have kinds of uh, all kinds of uh, sensitive conversations in them. 
Um, and on top of all that, cars also have cameras that face inward and outward. But you know, Chris, despite there being a ton of sensors, um, drivers, it seems like, are given little or no control over the personal data their vehicles collect. And the study is from researchers for the nonprofit Mozilla Foundation. And it reviewed 25 car brands. And uh, Chris, we can talk about how the brand scored in terms of privacy if you want. Sure. How did it go? Um, well, not so good. Um, the cars actually scored the worst in terms of privacy among more than a dozen product categories. Um, that's compared to fitness trackers, um, health apps, uh, smart speakers, and other connected home appliances. Um, it seems like not a single one of the 25 car brands uh, whose privacy notices were reviewed met the minimum privacy standards of Mozilla. Um, so Mozilla's minimum standards include encrypting all personal information on a car. But the researchers said most car brands ignored their emailed questions on the matter and those that did offered partial or very unsatisfactory responses. And it seems like uh, unless a car buyer opts for a used pre-digital model, uh, they, they really don't have a lot of options right now. And Don, what are manufacturers sharing this data with? Um, yeah, so okay, 19 automakers out of the 25 say they, they sell your personal information uh, and half of them will share your information with government or law enforcement uh, in response to requests potentially. Uh, so in other words, law enforcement does not need a court order to get your data for some of these cars. And a technology and a human rights fellow at Harvard's Car Center for Human Rights Policy said most cars are like wiretaps on wheels. Think about that. Uh, the electronics uh, that drivers pay more and more money to install are collecting more and more data on them and their passengers. Now, Don, I know you don't own a car. Well, I'm not sure, actually. But I know you ride a scooter to work. Do you think your scooter is collecting data? Um, I think it potentially could. You know, my scooter, once you first, uh, first buy it, it as asks you to connect to an app to Bluetooth. And this app can actually track your location. And it could be sending data um, to its manufacturers. But you know, to be safe, I deleted that app. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Thank you very much, Don. Thank you. No iPhones at work. They could be collecting data. According to the Wall Street Journal, Beijing is ordering all officials in its central regime to leave foreign-made devices at home. The orders were reportedly given out in recent weeks, but it wasn't clear how widespread they were. There was no immediate response from Chinese officials or Apple. If confirmed, the new move would mark another escalation of US-China tensions, which often focus on tech. Washington has already imposed strict controls on the export of cutting-edge chips to China, while Beijing has restricted shipments from firms like Boeing. It also wouldn't be the first time that China has cracked down on high-profile foreign technology it deems suspicious. Back in 2021, some officials were reportedly banned from driving Tesla cars onto government compounds and other sensitive facilities. That was according to Reuters sources. Security services were said to be concerned that the many cameras fitted to the cars could be used for espionage.
Still to come, North Korea will pay a price if it supplies weapons to Moscow. That's the latest warning from Washington. Hear more from the White House. And Cuba says it's trying to stop a human trafficking ring. It says Cubans were being sent to fight for Russia in the Ukraine war. More on that shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. The Senate is returning to Capitol Hill and questions linger over Senator Mitch McConnell's health after a couple of recent freeze-ups. A physician's letter says there's no evidence the GOP leader had a seizure or a stroke. Vice President Kamala Harris dismisses concerns about the President Biden's age. When asked, she says she's clear on her responsibility to take over his role if necessary. News media outlet The Daily Beast removes quotes it now says were wrongly attributed from a story casting doubt on another outlet for possible wrong attribution. The report in question, an interview with Trump that some online questioned whether or not was real. A Democratic-aligned nonprofit will spend $20 million to mobilize voters ahead of the election. The focus is on young people, black people, Asians, and Native Americans. Kyiv says its troops are gradually pushing back Russian forces after 18 months of occupation, but fighting in the front line is still heavy three months into the counteroffensive. Shouting presents for the Russians, Ukrainian soldiers launch mortar bombs then quickly take cover. It's a routine Ukraine's army repeats frequently as troops battle through vast Russian minefields and heavy fortified trenches in the country's southern region of Zaporizhia. Kyiv says it's gradually pushing back Russian forces in the south after 18 months of occupation. But the mortar squad's commander says that three months into the counteroffensive, fighting is heavy. The Russians resist fiercely on the Zaporizhia front line. They are trying to get their positions back. But we have an advantage. Despite everything being mined and our soldiers having a hard time, the Russians were thrown out of their positions, where the most fortified line of trenches and dugouts was. Now the Russians are in the field, where they have nothing, and they're trying to build something out there. Our soldiers are in the positions prepared by the Russians. That's the advantage we have. To avoid revealing their position, the soldiers have made a makeshift roof. It consists of branches and leaves covering tarpaulin stretched over a metal frame. The mortar position is part of a maze of trenches and dugouts with wooden walls and underground living quarters. The living quarters have lighting, Wi-Fi and wooden beds, shelves and furniture. The mortar squad commander says the longer the war lasts, the more rooms they will build. The Ukrainian soldiers, he says, are living like kings. The Russian military has started covering some of its attack aircraft with car tires. A NATO military official says they believe the tires are meant to protect against Ukrainian drones. Satellite imagery of Engels Air Base deep inside Russia show two strategic bombers with car tires on top of the airframes. Experts say the idea may not only add another layer of protection against drones, but also reduce detectability and visible visibility, especially at night. 
However, one expert says covering the aircraft in tires will have limited effect on mitigating damage. He also says the tires may reduce the thermal signature for exposed planes, but infrared cameras can still detect them. The U.S. Air Force has tested an unarmed, nuclear-capable, long-range missile. The Global Strike Command says the Minuteman III launched today from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. It traveled 4,200 miles to the Marshall Islands. The intercontinental ballistic missile was equipped with three test re-entry vehicles. Those are smaller test warheads, each having their own guidance system. The U.S. regularly tests its ICBM weapon system for accuracy and reliability. The Pentagon says the U.S. did notify Russia in advance of the test. A stern warning from Washington. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said North Korea would pay a price for selling military weapons to Moscow. He said the two states are advancing their arms talks amid reports that Kim Jong-un plans to visit Russia. Providing weapons to Russia for use on the battlefield to attack grain silos and the heating infrastructure of major cities as we head into winter uh, to try to conquer territory that belongs to another sovereign nation, this is not going to reflect well on North Korea, and they will pay a price for this uh, in the international community. Sullivan told reporters the latest analysis showed Kim expects discussions about weapons to continue including at leader level, perhaps even in person. The Kremlin said early on Tuesday it had nothing to say about statements by U.S. officials that Kim plans to travel to Russia this month to meet President Vladimir Putin for arms talks. If the trip happens, it would be Kim's first known visit abroad in more than four years and the first since the coronavirus pandemic. On Monday, Russia's defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, said the two countries are discussing the possibility of joint military exercises. Shoigu had visited Pyongyang in July to attend weapons displays that included North Korean ballistic missiles banned by the UN Security Council. At the Tuesday news briefing, Sullivan also took the chance to critique Russia's war efforts in Ukraine. I think it says a lot that Russia is having to turn to a country like North Korea to seek to bolster its defense capacity in a war that it expected would be over in a week, that in September of 2023, it is going to North Korea to get munitions to try to continue to grind out on the battlefield in Ukraine. He also pointed out the U.S. imposed targeted sanctions in mid-August to deter arms deals between North Korea and Russia and called on Pyongyang to stick to its public commitments to not supply weapons for a war that is killing Ukrainians. Cubans are being coerced into fighting for Russia. The Cuban government says it's uncovering a human trafficking ring, and with few details given, it's not immediately clear how wide the ring is or how it's orchestrated. Here's the latest. Havana has close ties to Moscow, but it's long and vehemently denied any involvement in the war. In this broadcast on Cuban state television, the news anchor is saying authorities there are dismantling the trafficking network and have already opened criminal proceedings. He also says enemies of Cuba are distorting information around the case and trying to portray the government as an accomplice, which it categorically rejects. 
operaciones bélicas en Ucrania. In a written statement, the Cuban foreign ministry said the network operates from Russia, trying to use Cuban citizens who are living there, but that it also used some citizens in Cuba itself. It said it would act against anyone seeking to turn Cubans into what it called mercenaries. Russia is often a destination for Cuban migrants trying to escape their home country's economic problems. Last May, a Russian newspaper reported that several Cubans had signed up for Russia's armed forces to fight in Ukraine in exchange for citizenship, but it's not known if the two events are connected. Russia's defense ministry didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Coming up, a fully electric armored luxury car makes waves at a show in Munich. Potential customers include high-profile business people and diplomats. And a rare find in an Israeli desert cave. Archaeologists discover four early Roman swords. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News. Thanks for staying with us. Luxury brands are largely absent at this year's IAA Mobility Motor Show in Munich, but one of the high-end cars on display is the world's first fully electric armored sedan. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the specs. Visitors will have to look harder for sporty rides at this year's IAA Mobility Car Show. The Porsche Mission X concept car and Maserati convertible are a few of the models on display. But the BMW i7 protection is about more than luxury and speed. So here we have a standard BMW 7 series, but with a, we call it protection core. So this protection core protects the people inside of the car against ammunition and explosions. BMW has been tight-lipped about the price tag. The German automaker is looking for anyone who might be a target. Potential customers include high-profile business people and diplomats. Some CEOs of big companies, but also some uh, governments. So people who need a protection against attacks of terrorists or bad guys. The world is grappling with the cost of living crisis, but the luxury car market operates under a different reality and it's more robust than ever. I think the luxury market is a sort of standalone section, but it is proving phenomenally popular. There are companies like Rolls-Royce and Bentley um, that are kind of setting sales records and they, they really genuinely sort of can't build cars fast enough at this point. I think there's kind of still this real appeal. IAA Mobility runs from September 5th through September 10th in Munich. After the show, automakers will have another year to wow potential customers. Four antique Roman swords from 1900 years ago were discovered in a desert cave. They were found complete with wooden and leather sheaths. During the, uh, our survey, uh, we found in a small cave in the Judean desert uh, a stash of four Roman swords uh, inside a niche, very beautifully preserved. We started research the assemblage of uh, swords, and now we understand that the swords are from the second century CE. Probably they were uh, hidden in the cave by rebels, Jewish rebels, during the Bar Kochva revolt, and we think that they were stolen from a Roman army unit or were collected from the battlefield. 
by the Jewish rebels. They were discovered in a remote cave overlooking the Dead Sea. The surrounding area is desert. Three of the blades resemble Roman spathosaurs, and the fourth has a ring pommel handle consistent with the same era. The desert location was a hideout for Jewish rebels under Roman rule. A coin from the time of the Bar Kokhba revolt was found at the entrance to the cave. That's when between 132 AD and 135 AD, a group of Jews went into battle against their Roman rulers. Besides being delicious, pears are loaded with medicinal benefits. They can even fight against cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. Late summer and mid-autumn are graced by an abundance of pears. Pears are an iconic fruit grown and loved worldwide. Pears have been used as food and medicine by cultures going back thousands of years. They are loaded with nutrition and contain vitamins C and K, copper, potassium, manganese, folate and magnesium. Pears are high in antioxidants that scavenge free radicals from the body. This can help to prevent oxidative stress that can damage DNA and accelerate aging. They contain phytonutrients including flavonoids that help to lower inflammation. Inflammation is thought to be the root of some of our most destructive diseases. This includes cancer, diabetes, heart disease, rheumatoid arthritis and Alzheimer's. Pears are rich in polyphenols and are a good food source for protection against certain cancers, cardiovascular diseases and neurodegenerative conditions. Pears help to reduce the risk of diabetes due to their high fiber content and anthocyanin-rich skins. Because of their high fiber and low carbohydrate content, pears release sugars slowly into the bloodstream. Those with diabetes can enjoy the sweet fruit without the negative consequences on blood sugar levels. Packed with nutrition, pears offer healing benefits that can help to protect us from many prevalent diseases. They've also been shown to help you lose weight. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers.